Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. Two years ago, during the summer of 2020 and at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, at East Church, not only were we doing our Sunday worship services remotely, as it happened, and for a number of reasons, for several weeks, those services were being live-streamed from our family's summer home on Pleasant Lake up in northern Maine, an experience that actually worked out pretty well, and gave rise to a rather unique church fundraiser, this pastor's Paddle Around the Pond, a 12-mile kayak excursion around the perimeter of our lake. It ended up to be a pretty successful fundraiser for the church's ministry. And so, two years later, by popular demand, I want you to know, this year, while on our vacation up north, we decided to do it all again. And that's what today's message is all about. Based on Isaiah 43, verses 14 through 21, here are some of my reflections around the pond. Well, to begin with... This time around the pond, I was definitely feeling my age, just a little bit. Granted, appearances on the training montage video to the contrary, I really didn't have as much time as I did two years ago to get myself ready for this journey around the lake. Moreover, I was paddling against wind and current and waves lapping over the bow of the kayak for most of my way home, which I don't care how old you are, makes the way a whole lot more difficult. But those perfectly acceptable excuses aside, all I can tell you is that the latter third of the journey from about Sand Cove all the way back to our camp, every paddle counted. If I'm being honest, though, that's not really the reason I was feeling my age a little bit. Truth be told, it was less about the effort involved in the paddling than it was the journey itself. You see, as I know will come to no surprise to any of you, there is something about being on the pond, this lake where I've spent at least a portion of just about every summer of my life that immediately gets me all nostalgic. I mean, I literally grew up on Pleasant Pond. Not only are some of my earliest and best memories of childhood are of my father and mother and me going up to camp in summer and in winter. There are pictures of me in my father's pack basket as they're trudging through snow to get there. Not only all of that, it's, it's where I learned to swim. It's where I learned to sail and, and developed a great love for, for, for sailing. It's where I paddled and, and, and where I made friends that are still part of my life today. It's also the place where Lisa and I courted. We sat down on the dock of that lake and planned out our lives together, figured out when we were going to get married, what we were going to do with our lives. And later on, it was where we brought our own kids on summer vacation. <clears throat> and it's been the one place, no matter where we've ended up living and doing pastoral ministry, that we could call a homestead. No matter where else we were, 
we always know we were home up to camp. <coughs> so it's no exaggeration, friends, when I tell you that for me, every nook and cranny of the camp and just about every inch of that particular shoreline tells a story. And every one of those stories expressed something about who I am and who we are, Lisa, the kids, and me as a family. So how can I not be nostalgic when I'm out there on that lake? But you see, the thing is, and the thing I kept noticing on this particular paddle around the pond is that, in fact, there's so much, so much that has changed. To begin with, as you can imagine, there's been lots of development over the years. Even up there in rural northern Maine, little shacks with an outhouse in the back have become cottages with full plumbing, have become beautiful four-season homes, have become million-dollar-plus estates, which I think at that point disqualifies them from being called camps. These days, the watercraft of choice on the lake has moved from motorboats to sailboats to kayaks to pontoon boats, a.k.a. on the pond as party boats. Trust me, friends, there are lots and lots of party boats. And the vast majority of the families I grew up with on the lake have either long since sold their camps and have moved away or else sadly have passed on. There are actually only a couple of families left on our road these days who were there when I was growing up. And right now, one of the, the camps that was owned longer than ours by the same family was just sold to another brand new family who are just now moving in. To put it simply, as I paddled around the pond last week, I couldn't help but notice just how much of the landscape of the place has changed from the way it was before, the way I remember it, the, the way it was when I and the world was much younger than it, is, than it was today. Yes, things change. I know that. We all know that change is inevitable. But sometimes change is not always for the better. And so I thought about that. I also thought about the fact that of how much the same thing can be said about the world we live in these days. That all around us, there's this ever-changing landscape as to how things are, how things get done. As re regarding morality and ethical behavior, to say nothing as to how we relate to one another and how we govern ourselves as persons and as people and as a nation in so many avenues of our lives, and I think you'll agree with me here, in so many avenues, be it political, cultural, social, or, or, or otherwise, so often these days, it seems like we suddenly looked up to find that everything, everything has changed all around us without our even realizing how much. That's also true, I think, as regards the church. I don't think I have to tell you that, that we here are also facing a swiftly changing landscape as regards our life together. Now, it certainly didn't start with the pandemic, but it 
it's worth noting, you know, that, that those who study these things are finding that even now that the pandemic is more or less behind us, and when we're, now that we're able to come back to in-person worship again, people aren't coming back to church the way we had all hoped. Sadly, it's getting harder and harder for a church to grow these days. Harder to get families involved in, in, in church the way that was once commonplace. Sunday school is no longer the central part of our life together as it once was. And consequently, we're not seeing nearly as many children and youth coming up in the church as we did just a few years ago. <clears throat> Quite frankly, in these changing times, we in the church are finding it more and more challenging simply to be able to do the kind of ministry to which we have been called. To be a community of the faithful who are active and alive and growing, spiritually alive, and to be relevant amidst the changing landscape of the world around us. <clears throat> and understand here, I'm not talking just about this church, but I'm talking about any church, no matter its size or tradition or denomination. Even the churches that are huge, shall we say, the mega church models, what I'm beginning to read again and again is that they are struggling with the same issues that we're struggling with here at East Church, just on a bigger scale. Well, friends, you should know that I thought a lot about this while paddling around the pond because I had a lot of time to be thinking about it. But I also, as I was thinking about it, I realized something. Whether it was about adjusting to a changing shoreline on an Aroostook County lake, or, or whether it's about the shifting challenges now faced by a church family in New Hampshire, it occurs to me that rather than getting lost in the nostalgia of what used to be, our focus, yours and mine, needs to be how we meet the challenges of that changing landscape. And the answer to that, my dear friends, or at least it seems to me that the answer to that comes from God. The very same God who comes to us in the midst of all the changes, all the shifting landscapes, all the challenges, and says, I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? It was the seminal 20th century theologian, Paul Tillich, who once wrote that if you want to summarize the message of the Christian faith, you can summarize it in two words. It is the message of the new creation. And that friends, is good news. Good news indeed. I mean, think of this for, with me for a moment. The very same God who created the heavens and stretched them out, the very same God who brought his people out of exile, out of Babylon, and back to their homes, 
This very same God remains ever and always about the business of recreating us, recreating our world, recreating our lives by doing a new thing in our hearts, a new thing in our lives, a new thing in our world. Let me put this another way. Our God is a living God. Our God is alive. It's as simple and as utterly wondrous as that. And as such, God is a God of motion. Our God uh, isn't, as we were told in seminary, an absentee landlord. You know, God just doesn't say, okay, they're on their own now. God is not stagnant. God does not sit still. God is a God of motion, of activity, of involvement in action and matters of the world and in and through all the changing landscapes of our lives. God will not settle in one spot. God will not exist in one way or in by one perception we have of him for very long. God, in fact, is leading us ever leading us, ever guiding us, ever pushing us into something new. That's why in our text for this morning that Kay shared with us from Isaiah, we're told by God himself to not remember the former things or to consider the things of old. I think loosely translated, that says, don't get too nostalgic. Because the intent of our Lord has always been to do a new thing. To make a way in the wilderness. To to make rivers in the desert. To give drink to God's chosen people. The people whom God formed for himself so they might declare his praise. See, the bottom line is that the landscape of our world, the bottom line is the landscape of our lives is ever-changing. But the good news is that our God is never going to stand idle, but always seeks to move us through those changes so that you and I can find the new and fresh ways of living that he intends for us and the strength to face the new landscape with faith and, might I add, with great expectations. God is doing a new thing, you see. And because of that, so can we. One of the other things that I thought a lot about on my paddle around the pond last week was Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt, the 26th president of the United States and the adopted son of Island Falls, Maine, the little town near our lake that is currently celebrating its 150th anniversary. You want to know how old I feel? I remember going to the 100th anniversary. (laughs) They've adopted Teddy Roosevelt as their own because he usually came, he used to come to Island Falls as a pale and sickly young man to learn about hunting and fishing with Bill Sewell, one of the fathers of the town. It was a friendship that uh, he had for a lifetime with Bill Sewell. He was one of, Bill Sewell, in fact, was an unofficial member of his cabinet as president. Now, one of the great things that Island Falls did for their anniversary was to bring in a Teddy Roosevelt reprisor, or a impersonator, if you will, a man by the name of Joe Wigan, 
who not only performed a, a wonderful one-man show telling the story of Roosevelt's life and legacy, but he also spent the whole weekend in town, in costume, in character. Went over, mowed the lawn in front of the historical society. Stood on the front porch of the Sewell House, the same house where Roosevelt himself stayed and slept and visited a century before. He was even in the boat parade at Pleasant Lake the next day. He was on one of the pontoon boats, the first one there, and he's taken off his hat and he's waving to everybody, passed by our camp, and for some reason he recognized Zachary and me, and he says, I saw you last night, bully, bully. I can say that Teddy Roosevelt said bully, bully to me. I tell you about this, though, because of something that was said during this performance uh, as Teddy Roosevelt. It really struck me about how relevant the issues and concerns and the divisions of the early 1900s are still relevant for our lives today. And how sharply divided people were politically and socially even back then. And Weigand, as Roosevelt, spoke movingly at, of how at times the whole situation in America seemed hopeless. And how it often appeared to many that even a large group of people, even a group like Congress, could never stay in agreement long enough to get good things done for the country. And Roosevelt himself said, well, maybe it's going to be difficult for change to happen. But oftentimes, he said... All it really takes is one person. One person to take the first steps. One person to do the right thing. One person to make the difference. And I'm listening to that and I'm thinking, oh, there's a sermon. Because it continues today in our lives, for our world, and yes, for our shared ministry as the Church of Jesus Christ. Sometimes, friends, all it takes is one person. One person with faith and conviction. One person walking together with the God who is ever and always doing a new thing to make a difference in the world and for the sake of God's kingdom on earth. Sometimes, friends, it's going to take one faithful, committed Christian to take those first steps to meet the challenges of the changing landscape before us, doing the work of the church in this time and place. And it can happen, you know? After all, we all know all it takes is one person to call and invite a neighbor to come to worship with them on a Sunday morning. All it takes is one person to reach out to a family so that maybe they can experience the kind of blessed fellowship that we hold so very dear in this place. All it takes is one person, one person, to be a shoulder for another to cry on. All it takes is one person to be willing to step up and offer a helping hand. All it takes is one person to think outside of the box for a change. To, to do things maybe a little creatively 
where our shared ministry is concerned and not be shackled to the notion of what I've often referred to as the seven last words of the church. We've never done it that way before. In the end, you see, all it takes is one person to do and say that which embodies the love of God in Jesus Christ and to live out our life together as the church. Because you know what? Before you know it, one person doing a new thing soon becomes many people doing new things. And that is when the church comes alive. That is when the church grows. That is when the church fulfills its mission. And so might it be for us, brother. You know, the thing I think I love the most about whenever I get the chance to, to do some kayaking, and especially this paddle around the pond, is how despite all the changes, there's still a whole lot to see on the lake that remains the same, that's constant. There are the rocks that stand along the shoreline, down on the far end of the pond. Rocks that have been there since the glaciers came through. The acres of wood that, thanks be to God, are relatively unspoiled and blessedly undeveloped. All the wildlife from deer to loons to eagles. Things that we, we, wildlife that we saw again and again in our time up there this year. And the and all the other constant reminders that whatever else changes in this world, whatever shifts beneath our feet, God and God's love and God's providence and God's creative power for the sake of the people God's love, God will never ever change. But in fact, will grow amidst everything you and I will ever have to face. That is constant, and that is firm, and that is what we need to hang on to in these changing times. If we hang on to God, this God who is doing a new thing, we will be strengthened and empowered to do new things as well. In the words of the hymn that we're just about to sing, words that come to us from the book of Lamentations, itself kind of a sad passage of scripture the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases his mercies never come to an end they are new every morning great is your faithfulness beloved the Lord is our portion and therefore in every journey amidst every change of landscape on every step we take our hope will be in the Lord. And our thanks will be unto God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled Reflections Around the Pond. It was recorded during our August the 21st service of worship at East Congregational Church in Concord, New Hampshire. Where, by the way, we gather for worship every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at the church on 51 Mountain Road, just off exit 16 of I-93. Now, if you're visiting New Hampshire this summer, maybe looking for a place to worship, 
we'd love to have you join us. We are a small, mighty, and very welcoming congregation, and I think you'll be glad you came. I know I will be glad to have the chance to welcome you. And with that, we come to the close of this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening today. And until next time, may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.